Our scripture today is from 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. In the Pew Bible, Old Testament, on page 317. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gethal. Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, the Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elijah said, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of the prophets at Bethel came out to Elisha and asked, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, Elisha replied. So be quiet. Then Elisha said to him, Stay here, Elisha. The Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. The company of the prophets at Jericho went up to Elisha and asked him, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, he replied. So be quiet. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. Fifty men from the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance, facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, and struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elijah replied. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. Yet, if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, it will not. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his garment and tore it in two. This is the word of God for the people of God. Elijah was rewarded. Unlike any other Old Testament figure, Elijah was rewarded for his great faithfulness to God, for his prophetic voice, for his willingness to go and do what God had asked. He was rewarded by being taken up directly to be with God. No bother with dying, no slow deterioration of his body, no pain, no worry, no funeral, no burial, simply up to heaven in a whirlwind of fire and smoke and dust. Elijah was here, and then he was gone, gone to be with God. Elijah's ascension into heaven was a reward greater than any other person in the whole Hebrew Bible received. Noah was not blessed in that way, nor Abraham, nor Moses, nor Isaiah, nor Jeremiah, nor King David, nor anyone else, no matter how great their faithfulness to God, only Elijah. Only this miracle-working prophet, this 
man who defended God's holy name, this man who stood at the cave and heard that quiet whisper of God's presence, only Elijah was taken up to heaven in this whirlwind, accompanied by chariots and horses of fire, the very vision of the apocalypse on the banks of the Jordan River. Well, I say that's all well and good for Elijah. Good job, bud. It was a fitting end to his amazing career, but you know, he's not the only prophet in this story, and I think the other prophet is actually a little more interesting for us to consider today. This other prophet, this younger prophet, this prophet who'd been following Elijah around, who'd been like a son, Elijah like the father. When Elijah was rewarded with this great chariot of fire riding up to heaven, the other prophet, he was left standing there on the riverbank, craning his neck up into the sky. I imagine his eyes blinded from the light, his face heated from the fire, his voice cracked from yelling into the wind. Elisha, standing there with his mentor gone, he had to figure out what to do next. Now, that experience of Elijah, I'm never going to have that. I have exactly zero expectations that chariots of fire and horses are going to come swooping out of the sky for me. If I'm wrong about that, you guys will hear about it, I'm sure. <laughs> but I feel confident in saying I'm never going to get to stand where Elijah stood that day on the banks of the Jordan. But Elisha, Elisha, I've been there. I've been in his place. I know something about what it felt like at that moment, and I suspect that you do too, the moment when he realized, oh, it's my turn now. May is a season of transitions. You know this because, like me, you've been seeing pictures all over the place of on, online of graduations and weddings. And in the United Methodist Church, it's also retirement season this time of the year. And this year, one of my longtime mentors is retiring. Gayla came to College Hill United Methodist Church in Wichita in the summer of 1989. She had just graduated from seminary. I had just finished the seventh grade. And it really makes me laugh now to remember the awkward kid I was and, and what I must have been like when she met me as a 12-year-old. No need for you to say anything about the awkward adult that I am now. You just keep that to yourself. But I remember a few months after she came, Gayla and I were having a conversation, and she stopped all of a sudden and looked at me, and she said, you don't really like to break the rules, do you, Amy? So that tells you something about the kind of kid that I was. Well, Gayla came to College Hill as our youth pastor, and she was actually the first female clergy person that I ever knew. But I met her so young, I didn't even know that that was a big deal. She spent five years there at College Hill. She stayed until the spring after I graduated from high school. And I can tell you without a doubt that Gayla, being at College Hill, changed the course of my life. And I have been so blessed to have her as a friend and a colleague all these years since. So, Gayla's retiring in another month, and I've been asked to make a short video sharing what she and her ministry have meant to me so it can be combined with other videos and played in worship on her last Sunday. I mean, it's an awesome opportunity. How often do we get the chance to tell the teachers and mentors who deeply influenced us just how much they meant to us? You guys, I have like three to five minutes. How am I going to do this? It's a bit of a challenge. 
Now, Gala is not passing on the mantle to me in exactly the way that Elijah did, but her retirement, it still marks a shift for both of us. It's a moment of generational change in my life, a moment that makes me ask, who is it that I'm helping in the way that Gala helped me? Okay, back to Elijah and Elisha. There's no telling how long they'd been together. The, the scripture's not really clear if it had been weeks or months or years. You know, last week, we talked about that moment when Elijah went to the mountain and God passed by, and Elijah felt the presence of God in that gentle whisper or that sound of sheer silence. And right after that, Elijah was told by God to go and do a couple things. He was supposed to anoint a few kings, and he was supposed to find his successor, this kid named Elisha. So Elijah followed God's instructions. He went out and found Elisha, and as he walked by where Elisha was working in a field, plowing with 12 oxen, Elisha just kind of walked by and threw his mantle over Elisha's shoulders, just tossed it and landed on Elisha's shoulders. And Elisha ran after Elijah, and they talked for a minute, and then Elisha went back and slaughtered his 12 oxen, had a big party, and then tried out after Elijah to be his disciple. So we know how they met, but we don't really hear in the scripture how long they worked together before this moment at the Jordan River when the mentor was taken up into the whirlwind of fire. However long they worked together, it was long enough that Elisha knew the end of Elijah's days were coming. It's kind of an odd detail in the story that Elijah doesn't want Elisha to follow him to the very end. Maybe he hadn't prepared his goodbye speech. I'm not really sure. Whatever reason, he tells Elisha three times to stay put. And each time, Elisha refuses, saying, as long as we're both alive, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to go wherever you go. Twice then, Elisha is warned by other prophets, hey, did you know Elijah's about to depart? This is like the worst kept secret in all of Israel. And Elisha says, I know. Would you please shut up? basically. So Elisha understands Elijah's about to leave, and, and it's because of that that he asks for his inheritance. Elisha asks to receive his prophetic inheritance. He asks to receive a blessing of Elijah's spirit. The scripture says he asks for a double portion. Now, I was often confused about this, thinking that he was asking to become twice as powerful as Elijah, but that's not what he's asking. He's asking for the eldest son's share of his inheritance. In ancient Israel, the inheritance of the eldest son was to be twice as big as any other share of the inheritance. So he's asking to be treated as an eldest son to get a double portion of Elijah's, of Elijah's spirit. Elijah says, that's not mine to give, it's God's. But then when Elijah is gone... There is lying there on the ground his mantle. We didn't read this part of the passage, but his mantle is there on the ground. And Elisha looks at it, sees the mantle, picks it up. A moment later, he rolls it up, and he hits the river just like Elijah had done, and the river parts, just like it had for Elijah, a sign to him, to us, that he had indeed inherited Elijah's prophetic spirit. I wonder if Elijah's hand, Elisha's hands were trembling when he picked up that mantle, when he tried to part the river. I wonder how confident he was that he was going to be able to carry on Elijah's ministry. 
I wonder if you know something about that moment when the responsibility you have watched others have is now suddenly in your own hands. Maybe, like for Elisha, it's come for you at a moment of job promotion, when you get your new name badge for the first time, or you move into a bigger office, or when you're handed the keys to the front door, or you're suddenly called by a new title or a new rank. Oh, I guess it's my turn now. I've never been a parent, but I suspect a similar feeling comes over most parents at some point in that first month of having a child. Perhaps a mother or mother-in-law has been with you to help in those first days, but at some point everybody leaves and you're left with this little infant. And they're totally dependent on you. And suddenly you feel the responsibility and possibility and fear and pride like you've never felt in your life. And you say, oh, it's my turn now. Or I suspect a lot of you have felt something similar as you've helped your aging parents or said goodbye to them at their funerals. You realize the generation before me is gone. It's my turn now. What are the choices we have at moments like that? Well, for one, we can always quit. (laughs) I knew someone in seminary, a friend of a friend, who resigned from her first church after nine days She made it nine days. (laughs) She made it through that first gut-riching Sunday, and then she decided she'd had enough. I suppose even as a parent, one can decline the responsibility and turn to a spouse or partner and say, the baby's yours, call me when she can talk. (laughs) Or whenever we feel that moment of responsibility and promise and uncertainty, we can try to walk away, or we can ask for God's help to grow into the role that we've been given. That's what Elisha did. Even if he was overwhelmed at the sight of Elijah going up to heaven, and I think he was overwhelmed because he was shouting into the sky, in that moment he could have just turned around and gone home, gone back to the farm, decided prophetic ministry was a moment, and now it was over, but that's not what he did. Instead, he picked up the mantle, and he continued the work that Elijah had been doing. Second Kings goes on to tell stories of Elisha as he confronts the powerful, as he helps the powerless, as he does miracles in God's name. Now, of course, what Elisha did was the righteous thing, that picking up the mantle, seizing the opportunity in front of him, following the will of God. Elisha had been called by God to continue in that ministry of Elisha. He picked up the mantle. He received the gift of the Spirit. Now, whenever we read the Bible, of course, we are invited to ask, where do I see myself in this story? Where do I see myself? So, how are you like Elisha today? Is there a place where God is calling you to pick up a mantle, to exercise some leadership, to help carry on in some ministry? Is there something that you have seen others often do? Maybe you've even helped a little, but now it's time for you to take on the responsibility of that job and let others rest from their work. Or maybe it's possible that you're feeling a little more like Elijah today, feeling like you have a mantle to pass on. There's a time in life for that, of course. What I want to point out to you, though, is that Elijah didn't just toss his mantle on the ground and and wait for it to be picked up by anybody who came along. Elijah spent months or maybe even years working with Elisha, helping him prepare for the leadership that lay ahead. 
So God chose Elisha, but Elijah trained him. Elijah shared his wisdom when the time was right, and only then did he pass on his mantle. So if you have a mantle that you're thinking you want to pass it along, the question is to whom are you passing it? Who are you in relationship with right now in a way that will equip them and encourage them so they're going to be ready when your time with the work is done? This might be a question for you and your family. Who are you helping to, to take on the responsibilities for family gatherings and cooking and connecting and celebrating? With whom are you sharing decision-making right now so that when the time is right, they can carry on the traditions and the responsibilities that have meant so much to you? It might be a question for you here at church. Who are you in relationship with? Who are you inviting into leadership so that when it's time for you to no longer do the thing that you are currently doing, is there someone who's prepared, equipped, ready to take on the ministry that you've been doing? Passing on the mantle is a natural part of life as God calls us into ministry and God helps us know when it's time to finish our role and finish it well. So whether we feel on the edge of putting down a mantle or picking one up, God is with us to guide us, to encourage us, to lead us. I hope this week that you'll take a moment to think about where you are feeling like Elisha, ready to take on something new, and where you are feeling like Elijah, ready to encourage and inspire someone as a mentor and as a friend. Take a moment also to thank God for all the Elijahs you have known in your life, your teachers, your mentors, your friends, who've gifted you with a share of their spirit. Surely we have known God's grace in their wonderful love. Thanks be to God. Amen.